Hello! Welcome! Uh, this is episode 22 of the Push to Shout podcast. I am your host for today, Skippy Sigmatic. And I am Brutal Compounder. And, uh, well, Bloodborne came out this week. Uh, Mike's probably going to have a lot to say about that. Yeah. Uh, there's not a whole lot of other news. Uh, luckily, I guess it's a good week for there not to be much news when with such a big release. Uh, although there is some mystery and rumors surrounding Kojima and Konami that we'll get to later on. But uh, first, we're going to start with Mike's week. Okay, so I'll just get the boring shit out of the way first. And there's only one thing besides Bloodborne. And that was while I was waiting for Bloodborne to unlock on my PS4, um, I was just trying to find something to do without like unhooking up my capture card and everything. So uh, I decided to take advantage of the PS Plus like free game, which for this month is Valiant Hearts, which um, it's like that World War One Ubisoft game that's kind of stylized and uh, they speak little simish noises oh, and yeah. little puzzles. And I mean, one, it was a little hard to give a shit because I was waiting, I was minutes away from Bloodborne, um, but it's like okay. <laughs> I don't right. have much to say about it. I mean, it has like this weird. It has no idea what it wants to be. I think, like, they combine these. If you press triangle, it brings up historical context of actual World War One with actual photos, and then it seems to be like a little bit about the horrors of war and um, you know the sacrifices of people and the tragedies. But then there's like goofy little puzzles where you throw a grenade and make a part of a bridge tilt up like a seesaw and and they're little weird jokes like and the 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 Germans the enemies are like cartoon villains and they drink wine and like dance on people's bodies and stuff but if you press a single button it tries to make it all serious it's just weird um hmm. so yeah not really a fan of that but a game that I was a fan of, it's a little little ditty called Bloodborne, and it just came out technically today at um, at twelve in the morning, and I'd say I've probably put like eight or so hours into it already. Damn. And uh, yeah, I do have quite a bit to say about it already. I'm gonna get the I guess the bad, if you can even call it that, out of the way first. Um, I've been trying to look at it as objectively as possible and there are really only two things that could be considered remotely negative the first is the loading time and that's a major negative um, but they say they are going to address it with a, a patch soon so hopefully that'll go away and then the other is a minor problem that I don't think they'll fix because it's not really broken. It's that if you activate a checkpoint, this game's equivalent of the bonfires in Dark Souls, and then you want to like make a different checkpoint, the place that you respawn, you have to teleport back to the the Nexus type area, which is a place called the Hunter's Dream. You have to teleport there and then teleport back to the new bonfire you want to be a checkpoint. Most of the time it doesn't matter because you wind up going back to the Hunter's Dream so much. But, like, there was this one occasion where I think I, I just want to... I would rather spawn there because I'm trying to fight the boss and I don't want to have to teleport back. But that was a minor annoyance. The rest, 
it's I, I feel like I shouldn't be singing its praises this much so early because it is so new and I haven't actually had time to experience yeah, it. Yeah, you know that you're still in so that much. Like, phase yeah, of... Yeah, but, I mean, objectively, at the beginning, from the eight hours I put into this and the first eight hours of Dark Souls, the level design is clearly, unequivocally better. Like, not even... Um, better in some ways it's just better it's so intricately related and dense and it it actually does feel like a city like you don't feel like you're going through levels in a city like all the arches and bridges that you see you can basically go to like they're actually functional for the most part and um, like there's so many little shortcuts and nooks and crannies it's the opposite of Dark Souls 2 design in that way. Like, the the level design is absolutely a 10 out of 10 so far. Um, completely perfect. One of the best I've, I've ever seen. I'm kind of, It's hard to talk about because it's just so good. I haven't ever seen anything like is that. It, is there variety? Is it interesting? Because, like, one of the things I like about Dark Souls is that each area has a very unique feel to it and it's it's kind of interesting you want to get to the next area to see just what it is so actually yeah in its own way so it does have a tighter atmosphere but the areas do feel different like um there's like a little i guess it's like a hunting grounds with these kind of weirdly bioluminescent plants and um and i'm sure there's places i'm still pretty early in it so i'm still i'm sure there's uh places that look even more different but i don't mind that there's less variety in terms of how things look because it is really trying to sell the atmosphere of this being one city and one place and it does that impeccably um they did a really, really good job of of characterizing Yarnum as a place. But as a result, you're not going to get like, or at least I think you're not going to get like the lava place or the, um, I don't know, what what are some other places like that? Dark Souls 2 had a lot, but the, Dark Souls the, 1 really only had like the lava place that was kind of weird or goofy. I don't know. I mean, like Anerlon, well, yeah, weird and goofy, but each place felt extremely different because you had like the catacombs yeah. the lava the swamp Interlando, the castle like I, I felt like each each zone it was instantly recognizable um and i haven't gotten that impression from the little bit i've seen from bloodborne it feels like and i feel i i agree that i think that's part of what they're going for is that you're in one city and so that's the city and uh and sure there's small differences in like the districts or whatever you want to call so it. how much have you seen like, not a lot. I've okay. seen. Did your, you like, watch my stream? I watched like half an hour or an hour of your stream, okay. and I've just seen very, very short like clips and screenshots. Okay, so the part of the stream at the beginning, um, like the the beginning of the game, is basically all they showed in screenshots and trailers. Like basically every piece of anything they released about that game came from just that area. So. That might be where you're getting some of that from. Like, there are areas that are clearly very different. They're not um, drastic departures from one another. They still feel linked tonally. But, yeah, they look substantially different. Is it is it, are, are, is it still that Demon Souls hub style? Like, I know there is a hub, 
but can you get to the areas from other areas? Like, can you travel between yeah, them without? Yeah, all of it is linked together. It's okay, like cool. the 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 hunter's dream is one place, and that sort of serves like the nexus. But instead of um, it being like demon souls where there were discrete levels and you could only travel to different parts of one level you couldn't say go from boletaria to the tower of latria and this all of that is connected in the world like it's dark souls open world but with a demon soul style hub that's separate from it and i actually am really a fan of that if except for the load times yeah, yeah, um, I've heard terrible things about those load times. Like every time you die, you have to go through like a forty-five second load time. Which yeah, Jesus. it's it's bad. Um, now they are patching it, so uh, but it's bad right now, and that's not really up for debate at all. But I I like the feeling though of this the hunter's dream like a lot because it does feel so different from the rest. Uh, I don't think it's actually related to Dark Souls, but you can see like off in the distance, there's sort of these, what looks a little bit like Ash Lake off in the distance, just all these huge pillars, yeah. just as far as you can possibly see. And it just has this very, well, it's dreamlike uh, atmosphere there that's way different from, from the rest of Yarnum. And it dreams and things seem to be a big deal. What interested me the most, and I guess this is like a light spoiler, are some of the um there's more lovecraft influence than i ever thought there would be which i really really like yeah i know you're, you're a um, fan of lovecraft i am a fan of lovecraft but the biggest uh deal for me or the one fear that i had going into it is that it was going to be too heavy into just like standard gothic horror um but the Lovecraftian kind of cosmic horror angle of just these unfathomable evils um, are way more interesting, especially if they're kind of had this, this influence on things that you can't exactly pinpoint that complicates the, the law, if you want to call <laughs> it that uh, substantially, which is good. And um, the item descriptions are really a, a treat to read. But it, it's a shame, then, that the loading screen just says Bloodborne and doesn't yeah, show yeah. item descriptions. Ugh. Now, I can understand part of that because I always did think it was weird that you could read the item descriptions of items you'd never found. In but this, you could if fix you're that find easily. Out about something. Like they yeah, exactly. Like that, They should only just show descriptions of stuff you have. Um, yeah, so a couple weird choices, but for the most part... It's way better than Dark Souls 2, clearly, and in almost every way so far, better than Dark Souls 1. Um, I haven't even talked about the combat yet. The combat, moment to moment, is quite a bit more interesting, and that might just be because of how new it is to me, but uh, I feel like there's just way more complexity in even just approaching the most basic enemy of how you want to do it. So in Dark Souls, it was basically either parry them, block them until you have an opening, or dodge until you have an opening. Or I guess just cheese it and circle around so you can get a backstab. In this, you have the pebbles so you can pull them towards you, and then you can charge up and try to get a visceral attack, which is hard to get. Or you could try to dodge and use the gun. or And sometimes you can do a lot of damage and then use the gun just to finish them off as like a short thing because it doesn't do much. Um, just, there's so much more 
to every little encounter, which does a lot for the whole package, I think. Yeah, one of the things I I truly loved, one of the, in my opinion, best features of Dark Souls is the enemy design. Their animations, just how they, they're all very imposing. Um, like the, the Black Knights and, and Anerlando and stuff, like I, I, I love them. And, and, uh, I was kind of wondering when this game, when they kind of released the setting of this game, I was thinking like, I don't know if they're going to be able to, uh, deliver with, as far as like the, the creativity they had with the enemy designs. But right off the bat, when I was watching your stream, that werewolf that you fight, like that first enemy, um, looked, and sounded and was just animated. It was really intimidating looking, and I, I really liked that. And uh, so far, it just seems like, <laughs> yeah, the combat looks more interesting. Just even from an outside perspective, it's like this is it's faster. There's more going on. Uh, it's it's less of just like, and, and it looks like they've completely eliminated shields. Which uh, no, actually, I've always felt actually I found one shield, but it's kind of like a joke item. <laughs> Yeah, it's just called yeah. the wooden shield, and it's basically entirely useless. And then even in the description, it says uh, sometimes a shield is nice, but it's not right for every situation. Or something yeah, like that. yeah. It, was, uh, it was pretty cheeky. It was funny. I, I like that because like I played Dark Souls one with a shield, and I had a lot of fun. Um, but then I played Dark Souls two without one, or, or I or less less reliant on shields. I dodged more and had a lot more fun with it. I think. Uh, that dodging enemies' attacks is inherently more fun because it requires more timing. Unless you're parrying with the shield, it's 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 a the shield kind of simplifies the game to its detriment. Um, yeah. So it's nice to see. It seems like they have a they, they there was an effort to make just every enemy encounter way more interesting with more kind of I guess not maybe not necessarily more options, but uh, a. <sighs> a faster and and more reactive kind of play style uh than just sitting there with a shield up. Yeah, and that's what I noticed that I mean it is I'm not a console gamer. I play basically every game that I play on a PC, a powerful PC, and I'm a stickler for frame rate in basically every case. Um at first when I was going into this, I did think that it was I would prefer it looked worse and be 60 frames per second. Yeah. Um, okay, well, two things about that. One is that it manages to be the most responsive-feeling Souls game despite not being in 60 FPS. And it clearly would have felt more responsive if the movement was the same and it wasn't 60 FPS. But as like just how you move and the dashes and um, just how fast everything is, it just feels more responsive and is more fun to control as a result. Just doing anything is yeah. just more fun. I and the through, second uh, thing is, sorry, you can say. Well, I, I was going to say I played through Dark Souls 1 at 30 frames per second and like I think 720p and, and I'd never like, it never felt wrong. I, I, I later upgraded with the patch to, to 60 frames and all that, but like, at the time, I I, did, I didn't feel like I was wanting sixty frames per second. I never I never went out of my way to find that patch or anything, even though I knew it existed. So it's not the end of the world to hear that Bloodborne's the same way. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. And the the second thing is, at first I thought I would have rather them compromise the visuals and get the higher frame rate, but I don't think that at all anymore, um, because every other Dark Souls game and Demon Souls, obviously. Um, even though they had, well, Demon Souls didn't, but Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2 had PC versions, but they were designed to work on last-gen consoles. So uh, even though it would look really nice and perform really well, 
I guess it's hard to make the point about those games without making the point about Bloodborne first. The environments are so dense. There's just shit everywhere. Like, so much detail. Like, rocks on the ground and grass. And if you walk into a room, there's just books everywhere and just objects everywhere. Not shit getting your way, but just uh, stuff on tables and and little um, pieces of paper on shelves. There's so much stuff everywhere it makes it the world feel for one way more uh lived in and two that same detail is outside like just with the the architecture and and the different statues everything there's so much not just like um visual fidelity but actual detail of objects that they put in manually and um that i wouldn't have that does so much for the game that i think it was clearly the right choice it's good to hear. I, I think Dark Souls 1, the starkness was maybe, I mean, I think it was probably a problem with, you know, having to work with last-gen hardware, but they kind of made it into the style of the game, like, because kind, of, kind of like the empty world felt, was supposed to feel empty, I guess. But uh, that that's another thing I noticed right away with Bloodborne was you spawn or you start out in a a room, like a pretty small room and a series of kind of small rooms, and they're just cluttered with objects. And it's not just a a bunch of barrels it's like shelves and and all sorts of stuff that you medical can like instruments and, and yeah like little tiny little um vials of medicine that don't have to be there but they are yeah I, 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 this this term is used all the all the time and i don't like using it but it feels lived in uh more than dark souls did which which speaks to the change in style that they've gone for because i think if you did that with dark souls i think that could actually detract from the style of the game but They've they've clearly gotten away from Dark Souls in, in some certain stylistic ways, uh, yeah. which I'm happy with. Like the, probably the biggest difference is if you've read like a lot of um, those interviews with Miyazaki about Dark Souls One, um, it was a big deal while they were designing different enemies to make sure that they all felt dignified, had some dignity. Um, that they were trying to design like the undead dragon in the Valley of the Drakes. And they made it look really disgusting. And Miyazaki basically said, no, think about uh, what a dignified dragon would look like alive. And now make him dead and make it sad and, you know, somber. And then they scaled back design and erred on the side of dignity in that game. In this, it is the complete opposite. And even though the mechanics are very similar, it couldn't feel more different atmospherically. Like, it is ugly, extremely ugly extremely not you know aesthetically but you know just the the viscera on display um and just the boss designs oh my god like these regular people just warping into these horrible beasts right in front of you it's great i've probably fought three bosses so far and all of them are horrible creatures and they're also unique looking which is pretty amazing i thought there were going to be too many just werewolfy enemies but that hasn't been the case i've only fought like one straight up werewolfy boss and that was shown in the early trailers um and that's I, i'm really cool, really impressed that's a pretty cool boss if it's that was an of. incredible fight <laughs> like yeah. honestly they didn't even his moveset wasn't done when they showed that trailer uh it that's honestly amazing. He he leaps up in the air and like crashes down near you, and um, once he turns into a beast, that's the most intense boss fight I've ever had. Because in Souls games, 
generally what you can do in a boss fight is you can run away and try to get them to slow down for a bit so that you can heal or do whatever. He's just relentless. He is he chases you, he is faster than you, and you you have to be sprinting away as fast as you can, trying to weave between these gravestones just so that you can get a chance to turn around and try to attack. Like it is the most intense boss fight in a Souls game so far. They seem to have take, gone to the uh, Artorius of the Abyss school of boss design, which makes sense because they started designing this game immediately after that. Yeah. Like the pace of a lot of these fights will remind you of Manus and Artorius. Um, which were my two favorite boss fights in that game. Artorius is what I thought of right when you said that he leaps up in the air and stuff. I, that, that's one of the coolest things about Artorius was that that move set he has, where just every every swipe of his sword looks really really cool, and uh, that's kind of it, it's that attention to everything that the boss does needs to be intimidating. Uh, it needs to scare the shit out of the player. It seems like hopefully that's uh that's a philosophy that they've taken on with this game because i i i feel like they want you to be scared not of like not not in the style of like a horror game but, but in the style of like shit this is going to be hard and i don't know how i'm going to do this which is exactly the kind of feeling that you should have from a from a dark souls game or you know spiritual successor or whatever we're calling it yeah um there's a boss fight i'm not going to describe it really, because this one hasn't been shown in the trailers, and if people are listening and concerned with spoilers, then, you know. But it's called um, Visar, I don't know how, actually, if it's pronounced Visar, Vicar, Amelia. And uh, I have never seen a boss with that diverse a moveset before. It was honestly amazing. Like, it was so cool. And that's, like, the third boss in the game. It, it's super impressive. And, uh, I don't know. I could talk about this game forever. Like, um, just back to the level design, there's this part where you're moving through, like, an aqueduct, and there's, like, a few paths that you can go through. And I I chose one path, and then I, I went off, and then it took me down through the aqueduct and down through a tiny series of tunnels, and I came out on, the, like, the walls of the city, and then I climbed up through, and then I, I made my way back through, and I was, like, going through these storehouses and like these back rooms and where clearly something industrial was happening and then uh, i came out onto this series of rafters and then i climbed down and went through some more tunnels and then i come back from one of the other forks that i could have taken at that original branch like yeah. it was fucking that's when i knew that it was going to be when, when something you say incredible. that i i i instantly think of the basically the first route that you that you take through dark souls or at least the, the well, vast majority of players take that you're supposed to take where you uh what is it called uh uh shit where you're like going across the rooftops and then you go on the wall and 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 fight the basically the first boss other than the yeah the charge demon yeah um uh, from the way the game's been designed, it sounds like uh, to a lot of people, I think that was that's one of their fondest memories of Dark Souls is that first route that you take where you get back to the bonfire. At least for me, that's like the, the most satisfying the part. Yeah. You kick down the ladder and, you, and you're back at the bonfire, and it's like holy shit! Uh, I just went in a big circle, and then like you realize, oh, if I look over here, this is where I was. Like, oh, there's the wall that I was on. There's the bridge where the dragon is and stuff, and and. Uh, that feels like it feels like that they've just blown that kind of series of 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 areas into an entire game. That's what it sounds that like. That feeling is turned up to eleven. Like I can't even like that description is basically the extent of the interconnectedness of that first area, the undead parish. At least as far as like the first boss goes. Sure. I 
I couldn't even reliably name all the ways that this first area is interconnected. Like, there's so many of those little shortcuts just in the first area. Um, and not all of them are shortcuts. Some are just, like, interesting links that you don't have to open up. They were just kind of there, and you might not have seen them. Like, it is so complicated. It feels like a city. It's really dense. Really, really dense. That, that God damn it. The way that you're describing... I, it, Everything that I wanted this game to be, at least if I was going to get it, <laughs> is is coming true. Which, like, I I was because my fears that this game was first of all that the world wouldn't be interconnected, which is one of the things I loved about Dark Souls, where you feel like you're just in one big world instead of uh, different areas, different levels, or whatever. And then when they when there was clearly going to be a hub, I was like, oh, they're they're going the Demon Souls route, and I mean that's okay, but I'd rather it be this way. And now it turns out, well. It's just the best of both worlds. It's the best of both it games, really you know. And and it's just like, God damn it, I I want this game and I don't have a PS4 and I don't want to pay four hundred and sixty dollars to play one game, but god damn it, I might have to. <laughs> it, it honestly is amazing. Um I like I I the two things I said at the start were literally the only negative things I could conceivably say about it, and I've really tried. I've tried to find some fault with the enemy designs, but all of them are crazier and more interesting than the last. There was one moment that I absolutely don't want to spoil that just left me fucking speechless. Like, it was the strangest thing I've seen in a video game, and... Uh, <laughs> Actually, you know what? You've played through the Metal Gear should Solid I? series, so that's a very... Should uh, I or shouldn't I? Spoil it? It's pretty early on in the game. What do you think? I'm I, I'm interested to find out. Uh, you okay, can close okay. your ears for it. the next... Close your ears, so ladies and gentlemen. You, Shut them. Okay, so... Um, it's like in this little graveyard area. You walk into a place called the Tomb of Odeon. And there's like a little circle in there. These guys with these horrible white faces that kind of look like masks but it's actually their faces and you can see the mouths actually opening and they look like they have actual plastic faces almost and they just have these horrible lazy animations that they look kind of half alive and half not and um so you kill those two guys and then there's like a tree just unassumingly off in the side of this graveyard and uh if you get close to it you just see this like weird almost like sci-fi kind of purple and blue light just going into the tree if you stand in the way of it you just get forced up miles into the air just and you think it's like a glitch but then like very slowly you start to see this hand form around you and a meter starts to build at the top called frenzy and then you can just start to barely see the translucent outline of this horrible abomination and then you just get teleported back down that's pretty cool <laughs> it really fucking was that left damn me it. speechless it was amazing honestly I, like I, that was when i knew that this game could do no wrong or at least very little wrong a horrible selfish part of me wanted this game to be really bad so that i would just say oh well i guess i'm not gonna buy a ps4 <sighs> yeah well sorry to disappoint by not disappointing um yeah there's just so much good about it and i i i didn't try the the multiplayer um yeah somebody can tell that i've done spoiling um 
I didn't get to try the multiplayer until like a second ago, like right before we started the podcast. I've tried the multiplayer for the very first time. Um, I just I used the multiplayer item. It immediately found a game and worked perfectly. Uh, I was fighting another person instantly, and um, and I won, so that was fun. Uh, it's just so good. It all of it is, all of it's great except the load times and that one little finicky thing with the checkpoints. But the checkpoint thing is going to be less of an issue once they patch the load times. So even Hopefully. that, yeah. Well, um, I mean, they announced, Sony and From announced together that they are working on the load times yeah. specifically. So I, I like I, I some of just even the really tiny differences they've made. Like uh, instead of just being the decal of the signs on the floor, it's like, those little creatures that hold up the signs and, and, and are like crawling out of the ground. I just like little, little things like that. Uh, I like the little things <laughs> that they've changed. Basically. It looks really neat. Yeah. And even those little guys, like they could just be little f- the flavor. Like that's just how the things look, but there's also the description of what they are. Like the, the kind of the maiden in black of this game is an ordinary doll who talks to you, which that's another thing, which is fucking amazing. Um, but she'll tell you that these little guys, they like, they worship the hunters. Like they're so excited to help you. And then you can actually notice that in the way that they talk. Like if you, um, rate their messages that they're holding nicely, then they make little happy noises. (laughs) And if you rate it foul, then they sound like disappointed. Like they did something wrong. Um, but yeah, that doll, that the kind of maiden in black of this game, if you do a gesture in front of her, she'll respond to it. Like if you wave to her, she'll like lilt her head and hmm. kind of greet you. And if you bow, then she'll bow back. And if you uh, you ra- pump your fist up in the air, then she'll clap. It's so, so is, good. Is the ordinary doll just a superficial reference to Dark Souls? Or do you think that they're trying to bridge the worlds in some very small way? I don't think that... At least so far, I mean, one of the characters, and this was shown in trailers a long time ago, one of the characters um, named Priest Gascoigne says Umbasa, which is, as you might know, um, directly from Demon Souls. Who knows, maybe that's just an incantation noise that Miyazaki likes, but um, maybe those two worlds are related in some way. That's unclear. But they they do seem to be bringing over... That's what they did from Demons to Dark Souls 2. They would kind of make the kind of spiritual successor type references. And I think yeah. there's a lot of that going on here. I definitely appreciate it. And um, I do, I really like the doll. Like, the doll, I think, it's it's way better than the Emerald Herald, clearly. And it also might be better than the Maiden in Black. Like, she she's way easier to empathize with. Um, and she seems like an actual character probably I didn't the like the only Maiden, yeah um i kind of like i kind of wanted to like her or i had like some kind of affection for that character but um i didn't like actually like her like her um, oh you had I a liked, crush i liked no oh, yeah my waifu my waibu doll the the uh the doll is a, a good character and uh she seems like the only like uh port in the storm from just the relentless hostility from everything else in the game it it's really effective um it was clearly thought 
planned to be that way. It's it's so cool. There's so much good about it, and I'm barely into it. I've beaten three bosses. That's it, and I'm in love with this game. I'm in love with it. Awesome. Uh, we'll save anything else. Uh, we'll probably. I think for the after show, we're gonna have Mike play more of it and stream more of it so if you don't care about spoilers you can join us and we'll probably continue to talk about it um moving on i guess uh, is there anything pressing that you you just want to get off your chest still about bloodborne or uh no i think i've dumped the thoughts that i've been cooking up out so if i think of something i'll say it later or just save it for the after show yeah so tune in for that folks yep um so we're still in our weeks, so <laughs> I'll start my week. Uh for um on the video game side of things, I I I caved and bought City Skylines. Uh it's a pretty great game. It's I I I haven't played a huge amount of City Sims. Uh I, I played like SimCity two thousand when I was a kid and I played a little bit of uh one of the slightly later SimCities, but I, Basically, I just was kind of craving some kind of experience like that, and so I went ahead and bought it. It's a good. It, it's exactly what I expected it to be, which is a good thing because uh, it's just it doesn't try to be anything it isn't. You know, like it doesn't incorporate these stupid online elements that 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 uh, SimCity tried to do the the latest iteration, and uh, it just it's just a competent city builder, and uh, and it's also it's actually kind of hard for me. Not like it's not like a challenging game, but it's challenging the way that I play games, which is uh, I I want them to be I want my playthroughs to be perfect a lot of the time, especially with games like this where it's like you're building up something and it's like if you mess up, say like you make a road and the intersection isn't quite how you want it to be, but you don't really realize that it's it's wrong until after the city has started being built. You'll have to like bulldoze like six buildings to to change the intersection and it just feels like shit having to like bulldoze your own city down. And you have to start taking this attitude while playing it of like, well, I don't give a fuck. I'm just, I'm just building a city and what happens happens. Cause like your people are going to get pissed off. People are going to move out of your city and stuff. It's just an inevitability. And, uh, and I want to have like this perfect playthrough where I'm, I'm making the most efficient city possible. And like, I'm doing everything perfectly and, and it's just continuous growth. But uh, it's kind of impossible. There's so many uncontrollable elements and stuff that, that you kind of just have to sit back and go, okay, I'm just building a city and let's just see what happens and, and let it, because part of the fun of the game is just like watching this city kind of grow and not really having a plan with it. And just like seeing it morph into this big metropolis when it started out with just a road with some houses on it. Uh, and, and you didn't necessarily have a plan and it just, morphed into this new thing and you can look at it and say wow it's really cool um so i i do like it i recommend it to anyone who who likes city builders um can you like charge tolls on these roads like, does it get uh, that in depth like here's the thing about it 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 instead of just giving you th- everything right off the bat you have to sit there and like you have to unlock stuff so like first you're just like you don't have any really utilities other than water and power at first. And then once your population reaches like a thousand, then you turn into like the next level of city or whatever, where it unlocks like fire station, police station, and uh, like patient clinic. And then you unlock the next level and it's like, you get a full on hospital and you get a police headquarters and you get like a, you get like the ability to add bus stops and you, and your up, your roads also upgrade and stuff. Uh, so I, 
maybe i don't know about tolls but there are there's definitely like five different kinds of public transportation like there's buses and subways are the only two i've unlocked but i I, there's more in the thing that i haven't even unlocked yet so there's a surprising amount of depth and it's it's deceptive because the game is like i think it's 40 dollars or maybe even 30 dollars i don't remember it's it's well less than a full price game but it's got all the content you would expect from a full price game like it doesn't it doesn't jip out anywhere. So, uh, in, in fact, it looks like it probably has more content than SimCity did when it came out. <laughs> so, like you mean the new one? Yeah, uh, and and it's also just like right off the bat, the cities are huge, or they can be huge. Like you can like I think you can buy lots next to your city's lot uh, in a nine by nine or three by three square. So like nine big squares, and the squares are like they look like they're maybe four square miles or more. Um, so you can just make huge cities. I mean, like truly huge. And, uh, I haven't played it enough to get anywhere near that point. My cities are still pretty small, but, uh, I, I am enjoying it. And I, it's a good, it's also a good game to play if you're like, for example, watching wrestling <laughs> as I tend to do these days. Um, because you cannot give wrestling your full attention. Uh, that's, that's not possible. <laughs> but the problem is that like, Again, I mean, I you could, to, but you, you, you wouldn't be not, the same I don't afterwards. recommend it. I don't recommend giving wrestling your full attention. Um, but like I said, I try to be like really efficient with it, and I try to like pay as much attention to it. Like it goes by pretty quick. Like the days pass, and like things can happen really quickly. Like, oh crap, you need a excuse the pun, but you need a, a a a new sewage line, and you didn't realize, and the sewage starts backing up, and people get really angry. And by the time you add a new one, it all has to like, the system has to like flush out, you know? And so like things can screw up and you don't even realize, especially if you're not paying full attention and, uh, and, and you'll be paying for it for a while. Uh, but that's also part of the cool thing about it is that like at a certain point, there's just nothing you can do <laughs> about some of the calamities you'll face. Uh, and, uh, it, I like it. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, and I played a little bit more of a Kerbal Space Program, which I was talking about last week. Um, I played a little bit of like the campaign mode, kind of, or the career mode, I think it's called. <sighs> they, they tried to do, like, in concept, it sounds really cool. Like, you build up your little space headquarters thing, and uh, it gives you little contracts. So it'll be like, test out this part for your spaceship. And I like that in concept, but then, like, the contracts are so specific. It'll be like, test out this rocket booster, but you have to be between 21 and 23,000 meters going between 120 and 420 meters per second, which is like, it's so specific that it's really hard to hit these targets. And, and I'm still like at the very beginning and I'm sitting here like, I can't, I can get to the moon and back, but I can't test out a rocket engine because it's so hard to hit the right checkpoints and get like, okay, between these altitudes and all that crap. So I'm not enjoying the career mode as I thought I would, but like, that's not really the appeal of Kerbal Space Program anyway. So it's still a good game. Um, all right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Another video game thing. Um, Jeff Keeley made a Jeff. podcast. Did you hear about his podcast? No. His new game. He made a podcast called game slice and, uh, and the first episode, right off the bat, he interviews uh, uh, Gabe Newell and Eric. Um, shit, I can't remember his last name. With Valve, um, Wolf- he interviewed Paul. I don't remember, I think but it's uh, Paul, maybe. 
he interviewed these two guys from Valve and went into depth about like what they're planning to do in the future. Well, not in depth, but he he asked them about like, well, what is Valve going to do in the future, and like how does Valve operate, and all sorts of stuff. Um, Eric Johnson, and, that's the name. There you go. And uh, God, I, like. Gabe Newell, first of all, he's such a smart guy, like very clearly a smart guy. Whenever you hear an interview with him, it's like he he's one of those guys where there's so much going on in his head that he has trouble getting it out of his mouth. Yeah. Um, and and it, he's I, I I Valve might be my favorite gaming company or at least one of my favorites. There's a lot of stuff they do that I hate. Like they ruined Team Fortress Two, uh, Left 4 Dead Two was a waste of time. Or at least in my opinion, like I, I didn't want to pay full price for another Left 4 Dead game that was basically the same thing. Um, the the free to play stuff and Steam has all sorts of problems and they they're not fixing and so yeah, Valve pisses me off in a lot of ways. But when it comes to making games, they're like they might be the best in the industry in my opinion. Um, and and a lot of people hate like Valve fans and I understand that. But I gotta say, like, as far as making games goes, I'm, I'm, I'm a Valve fan. And as far as, like, business goes, like, I think that they're perhaps the smartest people in the industry. Uh, I think they have it figured out. Um, especially after this, listening to this Most interview definitely. with Jeff Keighley. Uh, the podcast is called Game Slice, and uh, I, I highly recommend listening to it just because you get insight into an interesting company that usually you don't hear a lot about how it works. Um, Valve's kind of secretive in that way, so... Uh, it's cool to just hear them open up about it a little bit, and uh, they even kind of like reference like coming out with the next Half Life and what they would want from that and stuff like that. Um, so for somebody who had to recover from being known as the Dorito Pope, he's done pretty. Jeff Keighley's done pretty well for himself, but the Game Awards that are now basically just his baby. And if he's managed to get Gabe Newell on episode one, then he'll probably attract other high profile guests. Yeah, uh, he's one cool. of those. He's one of those video game industry characters that's easy to make fun of but I, I he's always come across as uh pretty smart and good at what he's doing yeah uh, he's, i, I wouldn't he's, go to him for opinions but no like i and he but he doesn't give that many opinions he just yeah. he sticks to just like interviewing people and stuff like that and 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 holding like uh, yeah now that the video game award stuff is his like you said his baby instead of being controlled by Spike. numerous spike and numerous other like companies that were probably had their fingers in everything uh it was i was honestly i mean we talked about it on the podcast i think i was honestly very impressed with that 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 show they put on like especially it was like a mini e3 the, almost yeah especially compared to the 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 last like whatever six years that they've been doing it or whatever um it was very impressive and a lot of people were saying well it's it was just all video game advertisements and it was like yeah, I mean, how else are they going to pay for it? That's and, what people want, and that was I that, that. that's what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, I wanted that too. I was like, I I don't want to just see game developers receive awards. I want to see new games. Uh, I don't blame them for doing that at all. Um, but yeah, watch. I listened to Game Slice episode one. Um, it's I think it's like an hour long, and it's very interesting. You'll learn a lot about how Val. Like they say, like they say, they say stuff that I'm that I, I kind of have been thinking a little bit in the back of my mind, like they mention uh they're talking about vr obviously because they they, they did the interview at gdc when they, where they released the the headset stuff um they're talking about like okay how do we plan on implementing technology like we have to think pretty far in the future when we're talking about like vr and stuff they they're designing uis and 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 stuff like that for 
for a market that doesn't exist yet. Um, and they're talking about how they kind of mentioned mobile gaming, although I don't think they actually like really mentioned gaming. I think in a lot of ways they were, they're, they're concentrating on the gaming part aspect of it, but they're, they talk about smartphones and they say, we think that smartphones are in the grand scheme of things, a very short term, uh, uh, product that, that it's not going to be like a mouse and keyboard that sticks around forever. It's going to be something that's, that people are going to look back on and say, oh yeah, that was the smartphone. Like it's going to be replaced by something akin to the Google glass or something like that. And I, I think that they, I think they're onto something there. Um, maybe they're not, maybe it won't be completely replaced by something like that, or at least not anytime soon, but they're, they're clearly going for that market and, and trying to figure out how to solve problems that don't even exist yet. Yeah. Uh, like, like make patents for they're incredibly navigating thinking. Yeah, they, they're. I think they're making patents and stuff for navigating 3D VR spaces before th- those spaces are having to be navigated yet, and I think that's very smart. Uh, they're they're a cool company. They like the way that they work, they operate is that they'll be like they let their employees have a huge amount of freedom. Uh, they're famous for like putting wheels on the desks where you can move the desks together and 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 work wherever you want to work, and so their philosophy is that if a project is interesting, if it's a good idea, then it's going to attract a lot of people working on it. And so there's more and more desks are going to be pushed into that little area of the office where they're working on that project and a project that doesn't attract a lot of workers probably isn't worth investing in. And so they'll kill it and they'll move, they'll move on to something else. Um, it's, 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 it's cynical in some ways, but also like probably very effective and very oh, yeah. interesting. I've never heard of any other company doing something like that, although I'm sure it's going to, get more and more popular uh, they have the... i've like just listening to gabe newell interviews before they just have the one like the best personnel period yeah um, the biggest talent in the industry definitely yeah uh, like they, they're economists we've talked about this on the podcast before but they're economists that they hired to you know um try to see where the steam marketplace was going and um the the sale of those items and stuff He's now the finance minister of Greece. Like, yeah. it's insane, these people. And um, like he said, and actually it was an interview with a bunch of nerds from V who just were standing in a circle around him on his birthday asking him questions. Oh, yeah, it lasted yeah. like an hour, but it was really informative. And um, like everybody at that company is usually kind of really, really specialized in one way, but is also good with several other things like um like programmers who are also musicians or it's it's just so cool that would be they, the coolest company to work for but they to be able to that. work for them would be such an impossible oh my god yeah they they actually reference specifically what you're talking about with like a variety of skill sets they reference that directly in the podcast where they talk about how uh they value people or groups of people who can uh, look at a problem and see solutions that aren't even related to what they're working on directly. So, like, if they're designing something for Dota, if they're designing the control system for Dota, they're talking about also, like, the integration of hardware and software. Like, they've started working on hardware now. They say, like, what if we could make a keyboard and mouse specifically for Dota players, you know? So we can solve solutions. We can solve problems uh, that we have with Dota's control scheme, not just in the software, not just in the in the UI, but in the hardware that they're using to control it. We can get directly to the, the source of it, and uh, because they have the kind of personnel that have the 
wide range of skills that that are required to to figure out these solutions that 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 don't seem directly related to each other and uh it i i have high hopes for that company i i wish they were a uh i've said this before i think i wish that they were uh uh a uh, public company because i would i would invest in a heartbeat honestly but and yet the reason that they probably make such consistently oh, yeah. good decisions is because they aren't accountable to shareholders. Exactly. Uh, they, yeah, they have they would... one. It's a flat except for Gaby, and man, they're yeah, they're going places. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, well, uh, they're already places, but they're clearly going more places. Yeah, a board of executives or uh, or uh, or shareholders would would not be too happy with the way that they probably run that business. Uh, although now that they've proven that it works, maybe it would be, they'd be able to get away with it. But yeah, it's way too, uh, it's way too unique um, for, for, for your, your generic business people to, uh, to buy into. You've read that leaked uh, employee manual, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I've seen that a lot of it at least. Honestly, so cool. Like yeah. they're, their employee manual is like beautifully illustrated and put together and it, it's just fascinating. It's, it's so cool. Everybody should read yeah. that. Yeah. And, and it, and it reflects like just not only what's said in the manual, obviously, but also just the design of the manual, like you mentioned, reflects their kind of attitude to how they hire people. It's like, here's a manual, which just tells you, here's how things are at the company. And, you know, Go work on whatever you want to work on, and like just it, it, it's a weird place. It would I would love to work there. I I don't want to like I don't want to make it out to be this dream job that 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 doesn't actually like. Obviously, they they have their own problems, they have their own stresses and stuff, and and they, it's probably a very stressful job too because your your responsibility is a lot higher if it's that flat structure. You know, like suddenly you are very responsible for this project you're working on, whether you're the head of it or not, um, because you chose to work on it. You're spending your, they're spending money paying you to do something that you chose to do. So if that thing doesn't work out, then they're like, well, why did you choose to do it? <laughs> you know? So like, I, I it would be, it, it would be stressful, but I, I, I would like that. I like that, that, uh, that they, they seem to thrive on that responsibility that they give their employees. Right. Um, all right. So I have to I have to mention this, and uh, you can basically stop watching the podcast right now because I'm going to talk about wrestling for the next few minutes. Um, WrestleMania 31 is coming up, and uh, in preparation for it, first of all, last night I watched Monday Night Raw, uh, and it was really it was good. But then, okay, okay, so I'll lay the groundwork. I started watching WWE. Uh, I guess a few months ago when the Royal Rumble happened and the Royal Rumble, the winner of the Royal Rumble gets to fight the guy with the belt. It's the, the championship belt. He, that's, that's his opportunity. If you win the Rumble, you go to the WrestleMania and you fight the guy with the belt. And so the guy with the belt's Brock Lesnar and he's this undefeated, they call him the beast. And he's supposed to be just the strongest guy in the thing. And, and he's got this, uh, this manager that comes over with a microphone named Paul Heyman and he's, he, he he he's really good at like selling the character like they they don't make rock talk for himself because he's maybe not all that great at it but he gets they get someone else to talk for him who's really good at talking and so like it gets gets you pumped up for it they've been pushing roman reigns to fight this guy and act like roman reigns is someone strong that can go up against this guy but it's not nobody's buying it and everyone's booing roman reigns so last night on on raw 
they end it. They end a very good, like a lot of good matches and stuff. They end it with Brock and Roman Reigns facing off with each other in the ring, and uh, and they're they're facing each other down. And it's the first time that they've seen each other, and it's all stressful and stuff. And then Roman Reigns grabs for the belt and takes the belt away from Brock, and then Brock grabs at it and they tug at it for a little while, and then and then it ends. And it was just the stupidest fucking ending to that. Basically, like, basically the WWE is 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 faced with these awesome opportunities. Like, you could have Brock go fucking ape shit because he's really angry that Roman Reigns is acting like a child. But instead, they tug at the belt, and you make and you make Brock look like a fucking child because he's tugging at the belt with this other guy when he's what supposed if they're to look building really cool. up to something, and drawing well, out are. the conflict. That's exactly what they're doing. They're saying, like, well, if you want to watch them fight, you have to tune in to WrestleMania. But, like, you don't have to make them fight. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying make Brock look like his character is supposed to look. Like, make him look like a cocky, fucking strong, badass, crazy dude. Instead, they make him tug at the fucking belt. He should, like, he should laugh but at then, Roman But then Reigns people would like right? him. Yeah, well, that think that that's, 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 the, that's the fear that everyone has in their hearts is that... They don't want you to like Brock Lesnar. They want you to like Roman Reigns, but nobody likes Roman Reigns. No, that's so, right. I mixed them up. I'm not an expert. Like, I, yeah, well, Roman Reigns is the guy they're pushing that, you, you, yeah, that yeah, you're yeah. supposed to like, but nobody likes or nobody. I don't think they want you to like him anymore. I think they want to drag that out. That's what I'm hoping is that uh, my hope is that they'll get Brock Lesnar to beat the living daylights out of Roman Reigns and just like. It's a just a domination of a match. Like he just fucking beats the shit out of him, which is he's done before. He did it to John Cena, which is their big star. You know, he just he got in the ring with John Cena and just for like fifteen minutes just threw him around in the ring, just violently. Um, and, and so there's a lot of suspicion that maybe they'll do that with Roman Reigns. But there's also a lot of suspicion that they're gonna have Roman Reigns be the one that beats Brock Lesnar and oh, Roman Reigns is so strong and shit, and it's just gonna be fucking lame. Do they and, still do chairs? Yes. Uh, okay. It has not ch- wrestling has not changed like one bit from the way <laughs> it used to be. Um I, I was actually talking to my dad about it though. There is an interesting there's something interesting about wrestling which is that there's a formula to it, obviously. Obviously. You, you, you've got the face and the heel, the good guy, the bad guy, and you've got the storylines that are all the same where it's like, oh, you've got the authority figure and the underdog that comes and beats the authority figure, it's always the same story is going on. The thing is, they're at a point now where everyone understands that science. Everyone understands that formula that they're using, and they expect it to happen. So they're expecting, for example, Roman Reigns to beat Brock Lesnar because it fits that formula. Brock Lesnar's the scary bad guy, and Roman Reigns is the underdog good guy, and he's supposed to beat him and, and become a champion. But, it, but I think... But, because everyone expects it, they want to subvert those expectations. But the problem with that is there's a reason that the formula happened in the first place. The reason there's a reason the formula exists, which is that it's proven to work. So they're kind of stuck between like having to uh, to uh, avert your expectations by surprising you by breaking off from the formula. But they also have to follow the formula to some extent because, like I said, there's a reason it exists. Uh, that's part of what I. That's part of why I like wrestling is, is stuff like that. It's 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 interesting from a production standpoint of how they build these storylines and stuff and have to play with your expectations. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wrestling. I know, but like, <laughs> it, it's it's I it is legitimately in, interesting. Um, it, it's stupid. I will never deny that. But it's 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 interesting. Like I said, from a booking writing standpoint, it's interesting, and it is fun as hell to watch people, you know, beat beat each other's heads in with chairs and stuff. That's that's fun. So, uh, is it? Do you? So how do you watch it? Do you like pay every episode? Um, I well, okay, they do they do Monday Night Raw is like a they do it on like I think USA Network, and I stream that illegally. Um, actually, I watched it last night at my parents' house because they've got USA, and I was over there anyway. And so I was like, "That's oh, fucking." I'll just go in the basement and watch it. Um, <laughs> but Skippy I, in the basement watching, watching wrestling, wrestling by himself. They were upstairs watching Justified because that's their new favorite show. But um, yeah, I, I, so that stuff you can't actually access on their internet network or whatever. But the network does have all the pay per views, which like you used to have to pay like sixty dollars for or something, but now it's like ten dollars a month. So it's 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 actually a pretty good deal for ten dollars a month because you get to watch like all of their pay per views throughout like the last like twenty or thirty years. Um, so like I've actually gone back and watched like some of the old WrestleManias and stuff like that, and it's 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 really fun to go back and watch those. Uh, like I watched the chairman of the company Vince McMahon get elbow dropped by his son off the top turnbuckle into an announcer table. Stuff like that's pretty fun to go back and watch. Uh, I mean, how can like fuck. It's it's the owner of the company being elbow dropped by his son from like 15 feet in the air. How can you not enjoy that? I'm sorry. That's funny. It's it's fun and it's stupid and it's awesome. Uh, it, you can't take it seriously. Like people want to say like, oh, well, it's fake and it's stupid. Yeah, it is. It's fake and stupid, and you can still enjoy it. Um, uh, anyway, <laughs> I don't want to get I don't want to get worked up. But uh, something I thought that was really funny that I, I wanted to mention. Uh, God, I should have written down this, actually. I, I meant to like listen, re- listen to it again and write down what he said. But I was bored. I was on a car ride that was kind of long, and I was stopped at a stoplight, and I had just downloaded a, a podcast app where you can like search for podcasts or whatever. And it recommended to me somehow by connecting through social network or some shit like that uh, the Steve Austin podcast. Which I'd actually heard legitimately good things about. Like apparently this is a good good podcast. Like not like it's about wrestling and and whatever. So I was like, "Full fuck it, I'll download it or I'll I'll listen to a stream an episode of a Steve Austin podcast." <laughs> First of all, it gives me two options. There's an explicit version and a non-explicit version, and they seem like they're completely different podcasts. So I was like, "Whatever, I want the non." I mean, I want the explicit version. Uh, and I just chose a random episode. I could scroll down a little bit and just chose one. Right off the bat, it is just. <laughs> it is insanity and i'm gonna have to like look up exactly which which episode it is and and i might have to share it with people because it's fucking steve austin and if you're aware of who steve austin is he's he's this texan guy who like talks with a really strong accent and it he's it, very funny to listen to just like inherently because of his accent and everything he starts just fucking rambling i mean right off the bat he's like so i uh, came back into la from from texas and First of all, I have to get used to people not fucking using their blinkers and fucking people driving like maniacs on the road. And he's like, just yesterday, god damn it, just yesterday. And he's just like, he goes on this rant. I mean, it's like right off the bat. And he's like, my wife's sitting next to me here. We were on the road. We see this guy. He's reading his newspaper in the fucking car. I want to roll down the window and just yell at him, get off the fucking road. And just like, he's just ranting. And then, and then seamlessly, he transitions from that to, 
And then the lamp ended up in our bathroom somehow. Like the bed, the bedside <laughs> lamp ended up in the bath. Are you, are you, uh, are you sleepwalking? Uh, no, I don't sleepwalk. Uh, I don't know how it ended up there. It got in the bathroom somehow. And then the dog vomits. You know how <laughs> dogs do. They go, huh, 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 and, uh, and, and the dog vomits all over the floor and I had to clean that. And it's just like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? And it's, it was, <laughs> I was laughing out loud in the car because it was, it was the craziest thing I've ever listened to. That's good. Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to find it. I, I wish I could just tell you right now which episode it was, but uh, I don't have to wait. Um, All right. So that's that's my week. Um, let's get in the news. There's not a whole lot of it, so we're winding down here already. But uh, uh, well, let's get this out of the way. Life Life Strange episode two finally came out. Finally, uh, this, is, this is our disclaimer for the uh, for the Squeenix lawyers. Uh, Sorry about leaking your episode. Sorry, we apologize. Thank you, Jim. Jim, it's been a while. I just wanted to say, just thanks. Stay true. Be strong. Live Thank you, strong. Jim Sterling. Oh boy. So I'm. God, any other week I probably would have played that just for the kicks, but it came out on the same day as Bloodborne. So uh, no. No, fuck that. <laughs> I have yeah. nothing more to say about that. There's nothing to say fuck about that. that. It's um, horrible. So the would you rather is... play? Uh, would you rather play a masterfully designed action RPG, or would you rather pretend to be a teenage girl for two hours? Uh, <laughs> well, a lot of people's answer to that would probably be to be to pretend to be a teenage girl, but. Regardless, uh, let's fucking move on because I don't want to talk about Life is Strange episode two. I want to. I I don't know how much there is to really talk about this because I think it's there's still just a lot of mystery about it. But uh, basically, last week I don't know, like Wednesday or Thursday, um, all of a sudden, Konami took Kojima's name off of like all their Metal Gear Solid promo materials and stuff marketing materials all that stuff suddenly kojima's names off of it uh the the twitter account for metal gear solid 5 which is called like or like kojima productions twitter account or something suddenly says oh we're tweeting from here from now and it doesn't mention kojima's name and kojima just stops tweeting period uh so something's going on i guess yeah it's it's very strange because well it's strange for a lot of reasons one did Sorry, I was kind of... I, it's been a very long day. But did you mention him being taken off the executive board in that publication? No, I didn't mention okay, that. I, so, I'm, I'm not very familiar with the details anyway. Okay, so this basically all started when Konami published their their the structure of their executive board for the new fiscal year. Because the fiscal year starts on April 1st. And so Kojima, who used to be, I think, the vice chairman of content or something like that um it was vice chairman or vice president but he's he had a pretty substantial executive position in the konami company not just in his uh, kojima productions that makes the games and um he was nowhere to be found on that list anymore for the new year and people thought oh it's april 1st it's a joke no it's an official publication from the board uh, it's it's not a joke. Also, it's not and April first. Well, that's the the new year starts. It was like yeah. they published the date was for April first. Oh, it okay. said April first on it. Yeah, the fiscal year, the fiscal yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. quarter. But it's not bullshit. And um, 
the we don't really know much they released a statement a joint statement uh, which says basically something that we probably already knew uh, which is that Konami will continue to make Metal Gear games even though Kojima won't be involved in them anymore and I think we all kind of saw that coming Kojima's been wanting that for a very long time but what's most confusing is that it would lead to such a, a nasty seeming yeah. situation or a way that it goes down. Like it's definitely there are not... all kinds of ways he could have stepped off of it, but none of them would have involved his name being stricken from the games yeah. marketing and the the Twitter moving. And I, there were reports of um, the people at Kojima Productions, including Kojima, getting locked out from all official Konami accounts, email accounts, social media accounts. That kind of thing. Now they're officially considered contractors. They're not actually like in the Konami fold anymore. Um, it, yeah. Again, it's unclear what's happening. We do know they did say that the the Phantom Pain development is going to be exactly the same. Still directed, produced, written by Hideo Kojima. Nothing's changed there, which is basically all I cared about in the first yeah. place. And it would be too uh, late to change anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was written and directed. Like, you can't just like take his name yeah. off of the... So, so it, yeah. It's not clear what happened, but it clearly wasn't good. Um, I'd, I, think, I don't think this could have happened without Kojima somehow upsetting the board. Um, whether that was him trying to work with a different company. I mean, you could speculate forever, but we really just don't know. But at the very least, we know it wasn't good. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not like a, an amicable thing going on. It's it's There's definitely friction. Uh, I I think, I mean, you don't even have to speculate. It's It's been known for a very long time that Kojima has wanted to get out of the Metal Gear Solid series. Um and probably get out of Konami in general. Um, I think what it does do is it confirms that it mostly confirms that this is almost definitively going to be like the end of the story. So yeah. like big boss, it'll be like, it'll transition into the Metal Gear story. And, 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 and that'll be that like, cause there was some speculation, like, well, when does it end? Like, is it going this to end plugs in the timeline? This plugs the last hole of missing yeah. time. Um, so uh, I, Honestly, it makes me look forward to Phantom Pain more, knowing that yeah. Kojima is officially out. Because like, by I had a little bit of worry, like, oh boy, he's gonna set up. It's gonna be another like all of his games tie at the end up to except maybe Megasaw two. But they all kind of like they have an ending. It's not like they 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 end on cliffhangers. But what I wanted out of Megasaw five was a was like a final goodbye from Kojima. I wanted it to be like a big thing. Yeah. And uh and it sounds like it probably will be. So I'm looking forward to that at least. Uh and and I and I don't hate that they'll keep making Metal Gear Solid games. I don't think Kojima cares and I doubt they would I doubt that they would I maybe, I don't know. I I'm wondering if they would use Snake. This is way too early to be talking about this probably, but I wonder if they would continue using the character of Snake or if they would just completely just go off on the same world I and like follow a different snake. I I I mean if they're they're just making a new Metal Gear because it's gonna sell. And they also yeah. know that Snake is gonna sell. And they'll probably bring David Hayter back too, which will be nice for some people. I wasn't ever really too concerned about that, but yeah, yeah. I, we've talked about that what, too. Like I I don't care that much about the voice actor yeah. for Snake. I I was never just I, I what I'm most concerned about is 
actually has nothing to do with Metal Gear, and it's something related to my week that I forgot to mention. Um, I had played some of PT before, but I never finished it, and I'd seen some clips of it. Like, I, I just saw the Norman Reedus trailer bit at the end. I never actually saw the completion of the game. Oh. So I went back and really, really tried to finish it, and I got about as far as you could before it gets really obscure and it gets impossible. stupid yeah it gets yeah blatantly so stupid. i got about that far and then um and then carlos told me what to do which is really obscure you have at the yeah. very end you have to like um you have to wait for bells to ring step forward exactly 10 paces wait for a baby to laugh say the word jared into your microphone wait for another baby to laugh like the, that wasn't exaggerating. That's no, I know. What you I've, have I've to read do. the guide. Or and then like... wait for the wait for vibrations in your controller, and then pick up the phone. Um, yeah, but the so, thing yeah. is, people aren't sure like which of those things actually trigger it. Like it's just like this has been found to work every time, and we don't know exactly why. Um, yeah, and <laughs> well, so what I'm most concerned about is what's going to happen with Silent Hills, because that was going to be a Hideo Kojima Guillermo del Toro project. Was it and, Konami though? I'm pretty sure. I think I, I don't. I don't remember seeing. I'm Konami's pretty sure Silent Hill it. is a Konami property. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's published by Konami. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then I am a little concerned about that. Yeah, I'm very concerned about that because that I I'm really looking forward to that game, and um, I I really hope. I just googled it. Uh, Silent Hills news game still in development without Hideo Kojima. Hmm. All right. Well, well waste. Shit that sucks. That's really that's really so much shitty. for that. God damn. At least we got PT out of it. Wow. God, that actually like God, fuck, because that was really cool. Like that was going to be a revolution in in horror games. It that really was, like, been. It seemed like to me like that was going to be something completely new, and now I have very low. I have faith. no expectations for it anymore. Yeah, that's horrible. Wow. God damn, that sucks. I didn't, yeah, I didn't hear about that. Ugh. And that was like, I, I remember like when I first saw, when I first started hearing that that was actually a, a basically a demo for a, an upcoming, or like a teaser game for, for an upcoming like Kojima, Guillermo, de- like that was such a huge thing. That was such a huge surprise and announcement from everyone. Like, like the internet slowly finding out about that was so cool. Um, and then, uh, and so I was thinking, like, at the time, I was like, this is going to be one of those things where, like, you're going to remember that, like, 10 years from now. That's going to be, like, a big milestone and in, in game stuff. And now now it's just... Uh. So, but this actually gives some more context as to, well, not actually much, but um, the original report that then got contradicted by the fact that Guillermo del Toro is still working on it and they're switching to Unreal Engine 4. But the original quote that got people talking about this was, Silent Hills has been canceled. Hideo Kojima did not allow Konami to use the Fox engine to make the game, and Konami has since put the game on ice. And my sources tell me that the project now effectively canceled. It's not canceled. Now we know that. But we do know that Kojima's not in it and that they're switching from the Fox engine to Unreal Engine 4, which is also, now I'm, <laughs> I was already com- completely wind out of the sails when I just read that uh, Kojima wasn't in on it. But now that it's not the Fox engine, I have no interest in it at all. Yeah, um, and, and that like confirms. The Fox engine in, in the demo, it 
the the effect that it's used to is honestly incredible. Yeah. Like the the effects, like this little subtle things that clearly that engine is just really good at doing. Um, and like you see some of it in some of the missions in Ground Zeroes with like the weird color effects and the Fox engine is really good with that kind of fucking with you. And yeah, I have there's no reason to be excited for this game anymore. Yeah, and 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 another thing that confirms like you can't just switch an engine on a game that's already like well into development. Like that pretty much confirms that they were probably still very early in development. Yeah. Therefore, whoever like. It's going to be like Kojima probably won't have much of an effect at all on on how that game turns out to be. And someone in the someone in the chat said Del Toro might be able to do something with it. Del Toro is a he's a movie director. He, yeah, it, Kojima was a game designer that did really interesting things with games. That's part of why people were really interested in it. A That's movie director is so not going to be able to save that game at all. Uh, he was just going to add some really interesting elements to it, hopefully. But I, yeah, that's 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 fucking depressing. Although the the thing that isn't depressing about that is there's a reason Kojima wanted to hang on to that Fox engine, I'm sure. So Yeah, at least that's pretty huge. Now we know that he has control over the Fox engine, which yeah. I didn't know before. I didn't know if Konami actually owned it. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have expected we that now at all. Know, we now know that Hideo Kojima has exclusive control over the Fox engine, which is... Uh, that's exciting. That's it really that, good news because yeah. I think it, it means that he plans to do more with that engine, which is already it's a good engine, and he clearly has he probably already has a good idea of what he's going to be doing next, which awesome. Uh, yeah, I think it's really cool. And there were, there, I I don't remember where these came from or if it was just people talking shit for no reason, but I kind of remember little whispers um, right at the Fox Engine tech demo, like oh maybe. Maybe the Phantom Pain is an excuse to, to make the Fox engine. I don't think it was an excuse. There's clearly so much love put into the Phantom Pain, but I mean, he probably also wanted the Fox engine itself as an asset and not yeah. just as a tool for making that game. We're getting into conjecture here, but it's possible that K- Kojima was planning to leave Konami after he finished Metal Gear Solid Five, and they wanted him to stay, and there was this all, always this kind of disagreement that was sizzling underneath, and now that the game's about to come out and they're starting to work on PT, it came to a head. Um, that's, again, like, we don't know for conjecture, sure, but that, that's what it sounds like to But it me. sounds plausible, too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's much more to say about that, but that's horrible news from Silent Hill's perspective. Yeah, it's good news and bad bad news. Um, I was never a Silent Hill fan, so I'm not just devastated. But God, that demo is am- that's the that yeah. that not as a game, but as a presentation. That is the, it, the, no, the even as a game, it's like it's the second best game on PS4 right now. I think. It, well, towards the end, it does all that stupid shit. That's just really awful. Except that was so cool. Like when it happened. When people it, actually it had to like purpose. cooperate, that was that was amazing because yeah. people had to just. It was this massive community effort because in an age where you can look anything up about any game almost immediately, the only way to actually keep any kind of mystery at all from the general public or to keep anything a secret is to make it ridiculously obscure, and that makes it like a collective mystery that you get to solve together. I think that's amazing. It's one of the coolest things done with video games in 2014, if not the coolest. And 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 just on a very basic level, it is probably 
the best implementation of horror in a game that I've ever seen. I, 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 yeah. it, it did that so well. It was just the atmosphere was so scary. And the concept of going through the same hallway over and over and expecting something to be changed is genius. And it, it, it creates a psychological effect on the player that has, as far as I'm aware, never been done before. Um, I, it, that is seriously a genius little thing. Um, like I remember, um, like in my playthrough the other day, I only, there was only one jump scare. It only happened once for me. I, I think it can happen again, depending on what you do and if you linger too long. But it only happened once. But doing it once, relatively early, it just added like an extra layer of of threateningness. There's a there's there's kind of a I think I think jump scares get a bad rep um, because they're implemented badly so often. Yeah, you need jump scares to put you on your toes and make you scared. To begin yes. with, you don't. But they shouldn't be the source of all the horror. They should just be the seed that plants the horror that is later just just used through atmosphere and and making you expect maybe there's a jump scare, but maybe there isn't. And uh, and and it it definitely effectively did that. And and it wasn't always like like there's the moment where like the door is 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 propped open and you're supposed to like look into the bathroom and then the face appears. Like that's a jump scare. But it's a very effective, very short, quick. Yeah. And it and it and it and it's towards the beginning of the game. So now every time you get one, near that bathroom, you expect something to happen, and and that's part of what makes it scary. the one where you look up at the railing and oh then she's God. up there. Oh. And when she's outside the window. Oh. It's all just fucking terrifying. Um. Yeah. That's. Goddamn. That's so good. PT is so good. Yeah, um, that'll probably be the best thing to come out of Silent Hills. Uh, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> I hope not, but like, yeah, probably. Um, so anyway, uh, we really I, we don't have anything else written down for news. I couldn't think of anything else that really happened um, that was noteworthy. Uh, we'll probably we'll probably end the podcast pretty soon, unless there's something else that that, that you can think of to to mention. No, um, nah. I I guess for the after show, um, I do want to announce it to my subs, and so I guess we can direct people to my hitbox, and then I want to start a hangout there so that it'll push the announcement. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, I I do want to mention uh, first of all, next week the plan is next week. To finally have action points on the show, uh, yeah, something came up for him. It's no yeah. Deal. So look, look, look forward to that. He that has not been canned or anything. It's just you have to wait another week. Um, and in the future, I don't know if this is worth noting, but I I, I figured whatever. Uh, we're we're ending this a little shorter than usual, and hopefully, the idea is that that we'll make the podcast a little bit shorter. We won't answer like we won't have that Q and A with chat, which usually didn't work out very, very well in the past. We're we're just probably going to end it after news, unless we have like some specific good questions that you guys have, have asked, like on the site or through Twitter or something like that, that we want to answer. Um, because the after show, I think, serves that purpose in some ways. And yep. anyway, um, so expect shorter podcasts. I I think that's a good thing. I think um, 
the shorter the better, honestly, because then you're packing all the good stuff in, and we have so much good stuff to offer our fans. Come episode 100, you're going to be listening to one-minute podcasts. Yeah, folks. one minute, just a little radio shorts put into advertisement form, just like, this is yeah, TV spots. It's going to have all sorts of uh, sound effects and stuff. Effects, it'll be great. High it's going to be great. Filters, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, so, uh, tune into the after show if you want to see some Bloodborne. Uh, and we'll see you next and week. And that is at hitbox.tv slash brutalcompowder. Yep. So, see ya. Bye.